Tonight, that other person is none other than Abdullah Ibrahim. He is a an astonishing South African jazz musician who has graced stages and screens across the world over decades. I can't believe that in 2024 you'll be celebrating your 90th birthday, Abdullah Ibrahim. Uh, you, you're still active. I mean, as far as I can tell, before COVID, you were flitting between Cape Town and New York on a fairly regular basis. Um, quite recently, you would you, know, you, you would just turn up and play music. Um, when last I, I heard you playing in public, it was in a Green Market Square in Cape Town. There was a piano set up. That couldn't have been too long ago. You certainly are still very active. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you, John. Uh, thank um, you. Absolute pleasure. It's good to have you with us. I mean, are, are you still thank playing? You, thank you. Thank you, Brad. And thank you. Thank you, the listeners. I, I'm, um, I'm in the Alps, uh, just uh, south, south of Munich, uh, in lockdown, fully vaccinated, hoping and wishing that we can... Uh, we can travel to South Africa when uh, when travel restrictions are lifted. To yourselves, all okay? No, we're great, thank you. I mean, we've got only 14% fully vaccinated adults in South Africa, but we are getting close to the president's target of 300,000 vaccines a day. So, um, you know, it, things are picking up at long last and we're getting younger people vaccinated, which is also, I think, a huge breakthrough as well. You spent a lot of time, especially after Nelson Mandela went to prison, um, you and uh, a bunch of uh, a bunch of your, your colleagues uh, I think, spread around the world. And you spent a lot of time. You had a three-year contract in Zurich. So you're familiar to, with the Alps. You're familiar with that part of the world. Does it feel a little bit like home to you? Oh, well, we first came We first came, uh, came to Europe in 1963, which is after the Schabel uh, <laughs> episode. So we've been campaigning here in, uh, in Europe uh, for, for quite some time. Uh, so um, in Germany, uh, Switzerland, uh, the UK, Denmark, and of course the United States. And we were invited there by by uh, my, my maestro Joe Ellington. Yeah. It must have been an extraordinarily heady time because you started playing music at home in Cape Town at the age of seven. By the age of fifteen, you were doing professional gigs. You. Did plenty of you had, you had groups. You had the Dollar Brand Trio and later the Jazz Epistles. And um, that was all thrown into complete disarray, of course, by the Sharpeville Massacre, by the banning of political parties in the ANC. And arriving in Europe at that time, getting the break that you got at Club Africana in Zurich must have been a relief, I'm sure, at that time, because you would have needed some sort of financial stability, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was it was rough, but uh, the the late Satima Satima B Benjamin, uh, we we knew that all all the bands used to come through uh, through through Zurich for uh, for their annual concerts. Like all all the jazz musicians from from the, from the states, and uh, so we went and um, and met all of them. Went to the went to their uh, yeah, concerts, but that one night when Ellington was there, the club owner didn't want to let us go. <laughs> so, uh, so then she managed to—I don't know what what happened there—but she managed to get the Ellington to come and listen to us. Eh? and the next day he flew us to Paris, 
recorded us and then invited us to the United States. What was it like meeting Duke Ellington? I mean, just uh, uh, an, an eternal star of, of jazz. Well, it was, it was, it was excellent that we asked advice. And, uh, you know, musicians, when, when we meet we, and, and, uh, and hang, we never talk about music. We talk about everything else except music. So I wanted to know from Ellington uh, how to handle the business. Uh, handled musicians, and then uh, he had an interview, and uh, this interview asked me, say, uh, pardon, <coughs> the Duke, how do you manage to keep this, this band of wonderful musicians together? Uh, Johnny Hodges and Russell Prokop. So Duke said, I found a gimmick. I give them money. <laughs> <laughs> so for me... That that was that was a cue on how to how to handle 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 the business. Um, and I mean, what a valuable insight! I mean, it's just you know, you pay the right price for the right skills, and people will stick together, and they will they will work together as well. You won a a scholarship, um, a, a grant to go to the Juilliard School of Music. That I did not know about you. And how long did you spend from the the Rockefeller Foundation? Saw your saw your talent. Nineteen sixty seven. Did you was it just the one year? How much time did you spend at Juilliard? Well, I was uh, in New York. I didn't have any money, and so uh, my uh, my my Soweto and, and Sophia Town and District Six Sabi kicked in. <laughs> so I took the, the the New York Yellow Pages and look at the and check out all the philanthropic societies. There were about 120 20 of them, and I wrote letters. Handwritten letters to all of them, asking for assistance, and they all came back negative. The only one that came back was the Rockefeller Foundation, and they asked me to 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 to, to, to come and see them. And they gave me a grant to study with with all Overton. An extraordinary. And started, they, they gave me funding for about three, four years. Fantastic. And, uh, it, it was it was not not so very pleasant because the the, the the black American musicians were very upset with me that I. And I come from South Africa, and I get this grant, and they don't. So I asked the, the foundation, I said, why did you give it to me? And they said, because you asked. <laughs> and, and there you met people like Coltrane and Don Cherry and so many others as well. Those connections, have they stood the test of time? Have they, did, did they continue beyond the 1960s and 1970s when you were making your, your way in the music scene in the United States? Well, when we met uh, uh, Don Cherry and, uh, and Ornette, we were quite surprised because uh, they had been listening to our recordings and especially uh, Jazz Epistle. Uh, and because we, we were on the same path, um, say like uh, trying, to, trying to find new, new avenues, but, you know, without music, uh, so-called jazz music, <laughs> It is a never-ending quest to find uh, to find a, a new 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 approach new approaches, and uh, so they were they were very very uh, supportive in, in that in that sense, and of course uh, Ornette had this uh, he had a, a house uh, in uh, uh, which he converted into a studio. And that's where we all hung out. Uh, 
And then you sort of came back to Southern Africa. You spent time in Swaziland. You then ran foul of the authorities in South Africa, organizing an illegal benefit concert for the ANC. Uh, and once again, 1976, student uprising. You pack your bags and you get back to America once again. Uh, was, was that did you was that an uplifting experience, or did you feel sort of heartbroken that once again home felt like it was never going to come right? I was in I was in Cape Town at home, and then about four o'clock in the morning, they were they surrounded my my house. There were about ten, fifteen of them, uh, armed people, and uh, they took me. They arrested me and took me to the to the Athlone police station. I said, what, what's up there? We we arresting you for for a traffic violation, <laughs> a traffic violation in the place called Volmar and Stuck. And I remember that I drove through there some some time before, and uh, so my people managed to get me get me out from there. And I said, "Why would they get me?" And the only magistrate says, "You are going with this uh, policeman, and on on a train, and and you we taking you under armed guard to Walmart and start to go and uh, 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 face this this charge of of, of, of traffic violation." And then I knew that it was up. And so two days later, we left the country. When did you get back? I mean, when did you finally manage feel that it was okay to come back to South Africa? I mean, that is 1976, 77. Um, when did you make a return? Well, uh, uh, we, we came back. I came back specifically because it was getting very, very rough. Everywhere, mm-hmm. and a living, there were, there were political upheavals, and in the United States also, and uh, so we had, we had managed to, to get back. Uh, and of course, I, the idea was that we have to impart this knowledge to the young musicians, and and uh, and see how we can address our 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 our, our tradition, because. <laughs> A lot of the, lot of the, the so-called jazz musicians in South Africa didn't want to play the tradition because the tradition is always a, uh, 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 it's, uh, it's relegated to, 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 to people who are or musicians who, who we think are not very sophisticated as us, as we are in, 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 the, in, the, in, the, in the cities. And so I... I managed to get Basil could see, and I said to him, well, "Come, let's come play some traditional music." And he didn't want to challenge it because he was they were playing some some uh, American pop music, and uh, I said to him, uh, "This music of ours is very very challenging. It sounds simple," and then he took he took on the challenge. Okay? He took on the challenge. He was the first first one. And uh, then came Robbie Jansen with some other, some young musicians, and they realized that our music is very, very complex. No? Not many musicians, particularly jazz musicians, make a decent living out of jazz. Um, it's, a, it's a hard industry. I think it's harder than, than many other music genres to, to, to crack it in the big leagues. And you've played on many big stages across many, many platforms and in many countries and you've toured and you've worked very, very hard. Have you been sufficiently well rewarded for your efforts over time? <laughs> well, 
what I, what I did, uh, so, uh, making make an investment, you see. So about 20 years ago, I bought an 800 hectare farm in the Northern Cape. Okay. I have about eight, uh, 500 springbok ostriches. It's, it's uh, uh, everything grows there. And then I bought a, an old uh, renovated Dutch church in Van Rijnsdorp. So we've created a project called uh, uh, the Green Kalahari, the Green Kalahari project. And we have uh, uh, we have a, a, a project that deals with uh, music, movement, medicine. Uh, it is a, it is a, in the, let me say just a minute. Yeah, one of one of our people uh, uh, in uh, in London, one of our practitioners, says that it's a it's a creative project with roots in educational settings and branches of the world of business, science, and art. Yeah? So it's an all all embracing, all embracing, all inclusive uh, uh, project with music, medicine, meditation, martial arts. Yeah, and the martial arts are close to your heart as well. I mean, you've you've got a, a a martial arts black belt that I did not know. I mean, was that a useful way of getting money out of you know money for gigs that people wouldn't pay you? Or you would just show them your moves and 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 extract the cash. No, that's that's nothing to do with fighting. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it, it, it that's nothing to do with fighting. The the I've been studying with my teacher in Japan now for close to. Uh, but over 50 years. And uh, the Japanese uh, 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 word for it, or concept is called Budo. And it is the art of not fighting. It's, uh, how can you say, that if you, if you understand or challenge yourself, then you can, you can deal with, with, all, with any, any situation. And so this is the way that we play the music. Also, you see, it resonates with our group, with the way that we think and think and, and, and address it and, and approach approach the music, because it's a never-ending uh, quest to 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 find that perfection that cannot 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 uh, that cannot be perfected. I mean, isn't that the beauty of it? I mean, I just look at the tradition of carpets in the Middle East that, you know, every carpet has a flaw deliberately inserted because nothing is perfect. No human being can be perfect. No living creature can be perfect. And in jazz, certainly there is perfection in its imperfection, I suppose. Yeah, well, <laughs> well the, idea, the idea is... Uh, that, that we invest in loss. Okay? It's a strange concept. Because if we invest in loss, then you really, you really take care of, of your ego because you, you'll, you'll, you'll understand that, uh, you, that, that you cannot perfect what, you, what, you, what, you, what you're striving for, but you, you, you do it anyway. Uh, this is what all the, all the, 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 the masters uh, have, have, uh, have uh, Give, give, given us. Mm. Uh, Your farm in the Northern Cape, I mean, it, it feels like it's a community project. Is it, is it a for-profit organization or is this yet another version? I just look at your history and I just look at the, the projects you've created, the bands you've created in some cases, this, this desperate desire to give back, this desperate desire to uplift, this desperate desire, it seems, to bring hope 
where otherwise hopeless may, hopelessness may exist? Well, this is, this is basically, the, you know, my, my great-grandfather was uh, the chief stable boy of uh, Paul Kruger. And he spoke really? all the African <laughs> languages very fluently, and he, he, uh, he taught me all the, the herbs and the plants and flowers of, of, the, of the Kalahari. So that is something that resonates, resonates with us. And so this project, uh, I, I think of it as, I call it a ancient tradition, new relevance, because at the farm now in, in, in Canada, this was more than what's, uh, 60 years that I uh, initiated this project. So a few months ago, at the farm in Kennet, uh, this uh, Scandinavian uh, tech company, Scatech, uh, they're just in the process now of creating one of the world's uh, uh, largest solar projects in the area of the, of the farm. See? So we can now uh, 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 offer young people especially, a place where they can come and have a hands-on on the farm. Okay? And also we have the possibility then to, 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 to go, to go uh, high-tech. It's extraordinary how, uh, how, how it's working out on that particular project. I mean, do jazz musicians have pension plans? I, I ask this because jazz musicians are usually quite anti-establishment. Have you been careful with money all your life? Have you put money aside or has it always gone into the projects, into the work? Well, we do, we, we, we do both. <laughs> we do both. We, 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 we sort of savvy. <laughs> Or how how we how we how we handle this, but this is something that I that, that I that I uh, I experienced when I you know when I when I was a young man. That uh, the key to this is that we have to be we have to be honest. Uh, when I was a when I was a young man in this district six, I had uh, some some young friends who were very uh, adventurous. And they uh, engage in extracurricular <laughs> activities. Yeah, they were people who had no visible means of support, but they were always very well dressed. And they taught me about uh, everything about fashion. And one day they came to me and gave me the big bag of money. I never saw so much money in my life. And they say, you're going to keep this money. I said, why are you giving me this? They say, no, you are going to be our bank. <laughs> and we'll just come occasionally, and we'll 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 uh, we'll access some some of some of some of the money. I kept the money, and they and then I asked them one day. I said, "Why do you give me all this money to keep as a bank?" And they said, "We trust you because you don't steal." <laughs> and from them, I learned everything about thievery. Who was a good thief? Who was a bad thief? And who I should look out for. But it gave me status in the community that uh, that I was uh, I was trust trustworthy. So when we deal with with, uh, with, uh, with financial matters, and again I say the idea is that as musicians we invest we invest in loss. Okay. So you see, invest in loss. 
you 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 have to you have to deal with your ego and you have to deal with being truthful the philosophy this evening of Abdullah Ibrahim. Abdullah Ibrahim uh, on the line to us from Munich this evening. You sound like you're next door. Thank you so much for spending time with us. I really, really appreciate it. What a lovely insight and fascinating insight into the life and times of Abdullah Ibrahim, a renowned South African jazz musician aching to get back in lockdown in Munich.